From the Schmoes No Network Studios in Los Angeles, California, it's time for Profiles with your hosts, Alicia Malone and Scott Mance. <laughs> Hello, Schmoville. If you feel the need, the, the need, need for, for speed. speed, we've got your ticket right here. Our seventh episode of Profiles on Tom Cruise. We are in the danger zone. Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> now tell me all about Tom Cruise. Why do you think he is one of the last remaining movie stars? Capital letters. Well, I say he's a movie star and a great actor because he can pull off both. He makes movies that are very commercial, mm -hmm. like Top Gun, like Cocktail. But he also <laughs> makes movies where he proves that he can act, like The Color of Money, like Rain Man, like The Born on the Fourth of the Born on the 4th of July. Brilliant. He is a great actor. He challenges himself with his movies. He is so committed emotionally yes. and physically more than any other actor. I think he is the hardest working actor around because he does give 100% commitment to every single role. And even though I always know that it's Tom Cruise, he never quite disappears into a character, say, like Daniel Day-Lewis does. That's true. He does great physical transformations. He's a very physical actor. And if you just look at his filmography, I mean, he's worked with Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Paul Thomas Anderson. I think regardless of whatever you may think of his personal life, if you look at his filmography, you cannot deny that he has been in some incredible movies and he's been the anchor for most of them. And even if the movie itself is not great, like Oblivion or mm -hmm. Jack Reacher, his presence, his performance will make it great because I really like those two movies because of Tom Cruise. And he can wear Ray-Bans like. Yes, no he can. Whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop. All right, let's find out more about Tom Cruise in our segment it's an, called. It's a Wonderful Life. Roll it. Tom Cruise was born Thomas Cruise Maypother IV on July 3rd, 1952 in Syracuse, New York. His mother, Mary Lee, was a special education teacher, and his father, Thomas Cruz Maypother III, was an electrical engineer. Cruz moved around quite a bit during his childhood, and by the time he settled in Glen Ridge, New Jersey at the age of 14, he had already attended 15 different schools around the United States and Canada. At the age of 18, he abandoned his original plan to become a priest and headed to New York City to become an actor. At the age of 19, he made his feature film debut with a bit part in 1981's Endless Love. That was followed soon after by far showier supporting roles in Taps and The Outsiders. But a star was truly born when he slid across the floor in his underwear to old-time rock and roll in 1983's Risky Business. And he's been making all the right moves ever since. Cruz has three kids, has been nominated for three Academy Awards, won three Golden Globes, and is quite literally the biggest star on the planet. He sure is. Time of your life, huh, kid? Yeah. Well, what is your first blood? When did you first see a Tom Cruise movie? My first Tom Cruise movie was Top Gun. Oh, there you go. I, I mean, I must have seen it much later because I think I was five when it came out in 1986. But when I saw it on VHS with my friends, I think I saw it at my friend Lucy's house, I fell in love with Tom Cruise, honestly. He was just such a charismatic hero. When he smiled, the whole world lit up. And yeah. he was just so dreamy. He's got and that hot killer smile, that those sunglasses. Oh, and those 
sexy scenes. Yes. I mean, I didn't always know what was happening at the time because <laughs> I was like eight years old, but I really loved him. I loved the story and just how reckless that character is. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. What and was yours? My First Blood is Risky Business, which I saw in theaters in 1983. Boy, do I feel old. But yeah, this was the first R-rated movie I ever saw in theaters. Really? So talk about a great R-rated movie to see, about uh, taking chances, seizing opportunities, saying, you know, what the blank, yeah. having a big party while your parents are away, which I actually did, and I never got caught to this day. Yay. Sorry, folks. Until now. But listen, when he slid across the floor and started singing old-time rock and roll, that was his star is born moment. Mm -hmm. And just his transformation, Joel Goodson, get it, good, good son, son, to just be becoming this cool pimp yeah and it's a, it's a great role but of course that movie made him famous but top gun made him a, a star. star definitely and that risky business moment is so iconic now isn't it oh it's so iconic it's i mean it's, it's spoofed so many times yeah. ben stiller talks about it all the time even just mark ellis in his uh first ultimate showdown he came in the outfit, the, the shirt, and the underwear. Did he have the sunglasses on? The sunglasses. Well, you yeah, got to pull off the sunglasses good. too. Slid in. Awesome. Okay, so let's start off with our fast five. Fast shall five we? coming in at number five is. The invasion failed. We lose everything. Ooh, it's Edge of Tomorrow, Edge of tomorrow. Or it's now called. Live, Die, Repeat. Now, with our Fast Five, we have tried to think of different facets of Tom Cruise's acting ability. So very different roles in each. This one is The Coward, which is something he doesn't Never usually played. do. Right. And he, the way he goes from being a coward to being a hero, more than any other film, it really has the most, the biggest arc, the most yeah. complete arc, where you go from being... Whoa. Whoa. There from, he is again. You go from being sort of like turned off by the guy because he's so pathetic mm -hmm. to when he becomes heroic at the end and he earns it. He earns your sympathy. He earns when you root for him. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a role where his level of commitment yeah. is so incredible. So incredible. I mean, I got to visit the set. I think I've got a photo in there, Chate, if you've got time. And I got to put on the exoskeleton suit. Oh, boy. Which ranges between 85 pounds to 130 pounds. I think I tried on the 85 pound one. I was in it for about five minutes. I was exhausted. It took, How heavy was it? It, it was about 85 pounds. Um, and it took four people to get on me. And it took about five minutes to get on. I was suspended by a chain and they let me down. And it was like, oh, my uh. God. How and Tom Cruise did all his own stunts as he often does. Yes, he does. No CGI in those ones, and he had to run on a beach in soft sand in those suits and in the heavier ones too. I mean, it's incredible. No wonder he was in such great shape. This movie opened on June 6, 2014. I still think it's one of the best movies of the year. It's based on the Japanese manga novel All You Need Is Kill. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. It was released the same weekend as The Fault in Our Stars and it got clobbered by Fault in Our yeah. Stars. But the week-to-week -week drop on Edge of Tomorrow was so slim. That means that people were talking about it, telling other people to see it. They were listening to reviews like <laughs> this one that said it's smart, visceral, and action-packed, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's also clever, playful, and loads of fun. Loads of fun. Tom Cruise is known for throwing himself into his roles with fierce commitment, uh -huh. and his performance as William Cage is no exception. His journey from shameless coward to daring hero is a great one, and Cruise plays it perfectly. Guess who wrote that one? Scott Matt. This guy! <laughs> <laughs> very perfect, very smart as well. Yeah, I like how at the beginning you do see shades of that trademark confidence, that smile. He's got a little bit of an ego and then he's put into the beach situation. Oh, it's so and great. And you really feel his fear. 
But you also didn't expect it to be as funny. Yeah. It was a lot of humor in this Darkly movie. Darkly funny. And he wasn't even the coolest character in the film. That, for me, was Rita, played by Emily Blunt, who's one of the best female characters I've seen in the last few years. She is awesome. She's the best female action hero I've seen in a film since Sigourney Weaver and Aliens back in 1986. Yeah. It's been a long time, but Emily Blunt really held her own. But Tom Cruise, they had great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, they started filming... Edge of Tomorrow, just a week after filming Wrapped on Oblivion. Wow. Well, so, he's just such a hard worker. And I was talking to some of the stuntmen when I went to go and visit the set, and they were saying just how he really wanted to do everything, and he really respected every single person in the crew and told them they were doing such a great job. I mean, he's such a nice guy. I got to perform a little bit of a scene from Edge of Tomorrow, which I call some epic bad acting. <laughs> Jate has the video. Roll it. Good job, Miss Moore. If you're listening on (laughs) iTunes, uh, that all sounds quite confusing. But just imagine me running like an idiot and then dying five seconds after I was supposed to. And smiling the whole time, by the way. I thought I was running like a badass. No, I was totally smiling through it. That'll be on the DVD and the Blu-ray for sure. (laughs) Totally. Totally. But amazingly, what I love about this film is just because you see him reliving the same day over and over again doesn't mean that he's reliving just those days. Mm. Because there are moments, there are scenes, there are parts of the dialogue that lead you to believe that he could have been reliving this day like 10,000 times. You just don't know. Yeah, there are several scenes where you know that he's gone through that particular part of the day so many times, let alone other parts of the day. It's definitely like Groundhog's Groundhog Day with aliens with in aliens. it. <laughs> and I love how Rita, Emily Blunt's character, Rita is also the name of the female character in Groundhog Day. And the action scenes are fantastic. The special effects are great. And I got to say, more than any other film, when we reached out to our friends in Schmoville mm. to ask their favorite Tom Cruise movie or their most underrated Tom Cruise movie, no film got more mentions than Edge of Tomorrow. Will Lambert had this to say, Edge of Tomorrow was not your stereotypical sci-fi action movie. Cruise added the comedy the movie needed to make it even better. Cruise has great chemistry with Blunt and that caused the movie to be one of the most underrated of the past five to 10 years. Yeah, well, Brian Chandler says, Edge of Tomorrow was so great because Tom Cruise played against type. He was a wimp to begin with and he slowly became a confident fighter. I love this movie and it solidified what I consider to be Tom Cruise's most memorable scene (laughs) when he rolls under the vehicle for the first time and ultimately fails. Bill Paxton's reaction to his failure was priceless. What the The hell hell are you you thinking? thinking? And then finally Daniel Dwyer says Edge of Tomorrow, (laughs) probably the most underrated film of 2014. Unfortunately will go down as a sci-fi classic in years to come. I think it's a sci-fi classic now, mm-hmm. such a great creative spin on the Groundhog Day type situation. One of Cruz's best loved it, and boy, do we agree. We definitely agree. And if anyone out there hasn't seen Edge of Tomorrow slash Live Die Repeat, make sure you go watch it now because it's on it's iTunes available, and it's on Blu-ray and DVD. So please do check it out. One of the best movies of the year, but like. 
so many great Tom Cruise movies, so many great scenes. Mm -hmm. What is your right stuff, Alicia? My right stuff comes from Magnolia. Great movie. <laughs> great movie. I love the interview scenes because he starts out Frank T.J. Mackey. He's so overconfident and so full of himself. Such a sleazeball. Misogynistic, <laughs> runs this se seminar, you know, all about seducing and destroying. And he comes into the interview, he takes off his clothes, he thinks that he is the best and that the interview, oh, it's like very charmed by him yeah. of course she's just like okay calm down be a good boy <laughs> then it changes and I love the moment in that scene where he looks down the camera and he says I'm quietly judging you quietly judging you it's a great scene it's like right in the midpoint of the film when the character like turns yeah that is a great scene and we'll be talking more about Frank TJ Mackey later on I love how he has two very different sides to him that character well we'll definitely talk about him and a lot of other great cruise characters there's so many great cruise movies so many great scenes so many details <laughs> so much trivia and our Good last segue. detail you like that segue yeah. well did you know that in risky business uh -huh. the original ending was that Joel Goodson did not get into Princeton. Really? So David David Geffen, who produced the movie, said, no, I want a happy ending here. So Paul Brickman went and reshot the ending while Joel Goodson gets into Princeton. And Paul Brickman was so incensed that he had to compromise his artistic vision that he didn't direct another movie for seven years. Is that right? That's right. That's so interesting. Well, I'm sure you already know this because actually I saw it on our profiles with Malona Metz on Schmo's No Network Facebook page, which Check you it should out. all be liking. And I like it. So. <laughs> I saw someone mention this one. But did you know that since 2006, October 10 has been celebrated in Japan as... Tom Cruise Day. I knew you knew it. Because he's visited the country more times than any other Western actor. And actually, I was looking at his Twitter and it seems like he was just there too. There were some photos with him and Japanese fans. He loves that country and that country definitely loves him. Well, it's just about that time to celebrate Tom Cruise Day. So it's great that we're doing profiles yeah, on Tom yeah. Cruise. Well, did you know that in <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, yes, that was a nod, Aussie, 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 <laughs> that oi, oi, our oi. friend Tom Cruise spent $100,000 on the rap party for the cast and the crew. Really? Amazingly, he wasn't even there because he was still working on the movie. It sounds like him. Super guy. Super guy, right? So hard working. So hard working. You know, I was speaking about the Magnolia scene. When I first saw that, I thought that that would be how he was in interviews uh -huh. until I actually got to interview him. And he is incredible. I mean, he makes you feel like the most special person in the world that you're asking the most interesting questions that he's ever heard, even though he's probably heard it a million times. You feel like the sun is shining on you and you get that charisma. And I remember talking to Doug Lyman about Edge of Tomorrow and he said how that charisma made things possible like shooting in Trafalgar Square because he sent Tom Cruise in, Tom Cruise did the big smile and then bang, they got to shoot there. That is the power of him. He's crazy. And also when whenever he premieres a film, so he shows up early so we can take pictures with Two the fans, hours or so. sign autographs with everyone so and he talks to everybody on the line. He doesn't mm. just talk to like the first like 10 or 12 hours outlets and then just like going oh i gotta start the movie and he, he gets, could and but. he could but he doesn't for the for the premiere of edge of tomorrow uh, they actually did something that was really cool yeah. they had on the same day they had premieres in was it paris it started in london in, that london. Was in london and then it went to paris and new york all in the one day all in the one day only tom cruise could pull that off i know but one more amazing. thing for the last detail i thought this was interesting that tom cruise went after the lead role in wall street didn't get it because obviously Charlie Sheen got it, yep. but uh, Oliver Stone decided to cast him and it was his first choice 
for Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, and I heard that Charlie Sheen wanted to be in that movie and then heard that Tom Cruise had been cast in it through his brother Emilio Estevez. Well, did you know that Disney actually drew Aladdin to resemble Tom Cruise? Originally, it was supposed to be Michael J. Fox, but they thought Tom Cruise would be more popular with the ladies. Well, he obviously was. Well, we are very excited right now to have with us on the phone the director of one of our favorite Tom Cruise movies of all time, Edge of Tomorrow. Please welcome director Doug Lyman, Doug, you're on with Scott and Alicia. The show is Profiles. Welcome. See that? Oh, it cut off. It cut off. Well, hopefully he will call back. back. What a tease, huh? What a tease. Damn, that was such a great buildup, too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to uh, number four in our Fast Five, which is... Wait for it, wait for it. I do this for a living. Yay, collateral. collateral. This is him as the villain. The villain. The first time that he really played a villain. This movie came out on August 6, 2014. Do you need to answer that and I'll continue? Yes, maybe you should. <laughs> this could be Doug Lyman on the phone. So collateral, that was a rare moment when you don't actually uh, no, root for his character to win. He played a villain before with Lestat, but that was more of a comedic okay, role. Wait. This he is dark and very interesting. And Scott Matz is telling the phone number for Doug Lyman to call right now. So hopefully he calls back in a second. Good work there. Good work. Okay. Good work. This is live live television, folks. Live online, live podcast. (laughs) So this was a 2004 crime thriller directed by Michael Mann and all set in LA, but they made LA look like New York. And I loved rewatching this the other day now that I live in LA. Oh yeah. And I recognized everything in the film. No film made LA look better at night or more interesting at night than Collateral. That's because it was shot. It was the first film to be shot on the Viper Filmstream HD Mm. uh, using those cameras. And this movie came out, uh, it was nominated for two Oscars for editing and supporting actor for Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Jamie Foxx didn't win supporting actor for, for collateral but he did win that year for lead actor for ray imagine being nominated twice amazing very very different characters tom cruise i thought this is one of his best performances because he changes so much from being very calm and logical as this assassin to being filled with rage and then back to being charming and almost lovely okay let's try again let's try again (laughs) ladies and gentlemen we are proud to present the director of edge of tomorrow one of our favorite tom cruise movies doug lyman you are on profiles with scott and alicia welcome hello Hello? Hello, Doug. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on Profiles. You're on with Scott and Alicia. Hey, how are you? We're doing good. Good, good. Well, we love Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat. It's definitely one of the best reviewed movies of the year, an instant Tom Cruise classic. So we want to know how proud are you of the way it all turned out? Uh, Incredibly proud. I mean, you know, Live, Die, Repeat may be a big budget studio film, but at its heart, it was a really personal endeavor. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise and I, uh, and our incredible producer, Erwin Stoff, and our incredible co-star, Emily Blunt, the four of us would spend basically every night working on the script, rehearsing in pre-production, doing nothing but working on the script, and also just coming up with, you know, things people hadn't seen before and had a... You know, and I think that's why Live That Repeat has such, you know, amazing characters in it because it's not something that was stamped out by a studio. It was, you know, created in a very personal way, you know, kind of like when I was making Swingers with mm. just the actors and me. 
Well, it's interesting because Swingers is such a low-budget movie and Edge of Tomorrow is such a big-budget movie. But how did your chemistry, your your rhythm, so to speak, with Tom and Emily Blunt, who are both fantastic in this movie, get you through some of the harder moments of the shoot? Because this must have been a really tough shoot at times. Um, it was a really brutal shoot. It's Tom Cruise is by far the hardest-working actor in Hollywood. He's actually the hardest working human being I've ever met. <laughs> uh, you know, so we were shooting seven days a week. Uh, and it really was an incredible collaboration because, you know, as mentioned with Swingers, like I come from independent films. I mean, I've made big movies like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but my heart, I'm speaking to you from New York City. I, I don't live in Hollywood. My, my heart really is, is, is in the independent film world. And that's what I think about when I make a movie. That's the audience I think about, the, you know, the downtown New York audience, the Brooklyn audience. You know, Tom Cruise thinks about the world. I mean, he makes movies that are seen in every square inch of the globe. So that collaboration was, was really extraordinary. And, and we ended up with something that both Tom and I are, are so proud of and, and could not have made without the other one. Was he on board from the very beginning? And how did it go when you're creating this character? Because he hasn't really played a coward like Cage is at the start before. You know, I mean, the thing about Liz, I repeat, is we, we, right from the beginning, you know, came to Tom with the idea of, you know, he's going to be such a bad soldier, he's going to get himself killed within the first 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> you know, you've never seen Tom Cruise be bad at anything, no. just, you know, in real life or his characters. Uh, and I said, like, that's, you're going to be a coward. Uh, and he loved it. And I said, you know, and you're going to, you're going to get killed over and over again in the course of this movie. And, you know, I don't think, I mean, I love figuring out, you know, more and more clever ways to kill Tom Cruise. <laughs> you know, in terms of an action movie, it sort of gives you a whole new language. It's a little bit Roadrunner. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and there's a lot of comedy to how, in the various ways in which he's killed. And, I think the only one who enjoyed killing Tom Cruise more than me was Tom Cruise himself. Wow. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Emily Blunt. I mean, th with this character, with Rita, you really cr had one of the, the best female action heroes in a really long time. It sort of made me think about Sigourney Weaver's character in mm. Aliens, but that was like 1986. Oh, thank you for saying that. You know, I, I'm very proud of the female characters in my films. And, you know, there's, they're strong because I come up with strong stories for them. So, you know, Born Identity, when I was pitching it, you know, when it was just me and a book, I was pitching it as what would it be like to date Jason Bourne? So like, just from the beginning, I was thinking about the movie from the female character's point of view. And, and I, so, you know, you would think on, on Live, Die, Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow, you would, uh, it would just be about the guy and how amazing it is he's having this incredible experience where, you know, Tom Cruise is, being killed and he gets a chance to relive the day and possibly save the world but you know it's actually a more interesting film from Emily Blunt's character's point of view because she's somebody who used to have the superpower and has lost it right and the world doesn't know that the world's expecting her to save them and she can't save the world and it's a secret she can't reveal to anybody so she's got literally the weight of the world on her shoulders and then she meets Tom Cruise and here's somebody who has a superpower and if she can figure out how to use his power to save the world, she might yet be able to fulfill, you know, what is expected of her. And that's, that. you know, you would think you would just cast a movie star like Emily Blunt to play Rita and just cast anybody in the other role mm. and you'd have a hit movie. I mean, it's such a, so that, that's how 
you know, you combine a great character and a great storyline with a great actress like Emily Blunt, you know, and as I said, comedy is very important to me, and, you know, there's, I, you know, I, I love Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, you know, Emily Blunt has all that power, mm. and then she adds, you know, a kind of charming humor, you know, that's more Catherine Hepburn-esque, and, uh, you know, it's by far the, my favorite experience ever working with an actress. Oh, that's fantastic. I love um, her and Tom Cruise together as well because they seem like they had really great chemistry. How were they when they were working together? I heard things like uh, Emily used to, you know, push Tom over for a joke <laughs> in the suit. That Emily was? Would push Tom over in, in that suit because it was so hard to get up again just for her own amusement. Yeah, no, I mean, they were, you know, making a movie is really hard work. Yeah. You know, people usually just see the red carpet and they see... they. You don't see the sort of the toil, the, you know, getting up at five in the morning, you know, after no sleep, you know, when it's still dark out to go to work. And the thing is, I had like a bound in my step every morning on the way to the set, no matter how tired I was, because I knew I was going to be working with Tom and Emily. And there was so much humor and, and just goodwill. And we were always, as you said, you know, her pushing them over. I mean, there were, there were, like, we were always just making each other laugh, like, throughout the whole process. And it, and wow. we, it wasn't that we weren't working really hard. You know, there's some movies where you, people are just playing on the set. We were working really hard, but we were getting through it by making each other laugh. And it, it was, I couldn't wait to get to the set every morning. Well, what is it about Tom Cruise that you think that, even after all these years, since he made his debut in a film in 1981, that he still is making films that are great. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow, I saw it in theaters five times. I can't wait to see it again, which is a testament to how great it oh, is. thank you. But, I mean, he just makes so many great moves. He's still challenging himself. He does not rest on his laurels. Like, what's behind his drive? He must really love making movies. He loves making movies. I mean, this guy, you know, I've worked with, you know, some really great actors. Uh, you know, they all have other hobbies, and, you know, like Tom Cruise, loves movies yeah you know you can you can mention the most obscure movie and tom will have seen it wow like that's cool it is uh he, he, he loves movies he loves making movies he loves the audience he loves his relationship with the audience and and you know he and i both you know we may come from different worlds where i'm, I'm a first of all he's you know the hugest movie star in the world and and i'm a, I'm a you know filmmaker you know toiling in a little bit of obscurity but <laughs> he is uh we both care deeply about our audiences and we both have a sense of responsibility that people are giving us their time and their money to go see our film and we're not going to rest till we've made the best possible piece of entertainment. Mm. And it, that work ethic that Tom had wasn't about work, it was about delivering for his audience. Mm. Well, we both love Live, Die, Repeat, so you definitely did it with that one. But what, what is your favorite Tom Cruise performance besides, of course, Edge of Tomorrow? <laughs> What's my favorite Tom Cruise performance? Do you I have mean, one? It would, it would have to be the show me the money scene. Yeah. Oh, Jerry yeah. Maguire. <laughs> uh, I, you know, but there's so many amazing performances. That's the thing that, uh, and when you think about Tom Cruise and for how long he's been a star, you also have to think about like how many amazing movies this guy's been in, not just big blockbusters like Top Gun. And, you know, he did comedies like Risky Business. You yep. know, that's one of the most incredible performances. And A Few Good Men is, like, incredible. And, 
Rain Man. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. Like, this guy not only has done some of the biggest blockbusters in the world, he's done some of the the greatest movies that have been made over the last 20 or 30 years. It's it's really an extraordinary resume. And, And the thing I'm most proud about on Live I Repeat is that, you know, people are seeing what an amazing actor Tom Cruise is. And it was a chance sort of in a big budget movie to really show off his acting chops. And, you know, once you think about it and think about how many amazing performances he's done and how many Academy Award winning films he's been in, of course he has the acting chops. So it's, it's just a chance to sort of show it off. And, you know, and he's so funny in my movie. And, you know, he's, he's funny really in funny. business. He's, he's funny in Tropic Thunder. Like, yeah. he has, you know, it was a chance to sort of combine you know, he's the incredible action star that Tom Cruise is with the incredible actor and the incredible comedian that Tom Cruise is. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining us on Profiles. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat is on iTunes now. It drops on a DVD, DVD and Blu-ray in a week. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to go out and see it again. Thank you so much for joining us on Profiles. We really appreciate your generosity. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, bye. Bye. Cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Wow. And he kind of said it all why we are doing a profiles on Tom Cruise because he has done some incredible movies and he's really challenged himself as an actor and he is the hardest working guy around. Well, getting back into one of his best performances, let's talk more about Collateral. Yes. I mean, he had never played a real bad guy like this before. I mean, he sort of played a little bit of a bad guy in Magnolia. Yeah, yeah. And I said uh, Interview with the Vampire And Interview well. with the Vampire too. But this was where he must have felt so liberated to just do something completely different this is a really moody atmospheric existential film yeah he plays an existential sociopath who wonders about our place in the world while killing people and then in the end realizes that maybe no one will will remember him maybe no one will notice him well that's because in the end spoiler alert he dies yeah and up until 2004 tom cruise had never played a character who died in one of his movies it wasn't until 2008 that he would die again in valkyrie and then of course in live die repeat edge of tomorrow (laughs) he died over and over and over (laughs) again again. i love that moment when max first realizes that vincent is the bad guy when you killed him no i just shot shot him him. the The bullets bullets in the fall killed killed him him. and And then look look. yeah just that look it's like whoa he's a bad guy and to prepare for this role michael mann set him a challenge because obviously Obviously, Tom Cruise has one of the most recognizable faces in the world. So Michael Mann said, go and pretend to be a FedEx guy for a day and just see if anyone will realize it's you. No one did. did. He had a bit of a disguise on, but you could still tell it was Tom Cruise. Uh, But if you weren't looking for him, I don't think you would imagine him to be a FedEx worker. He sat down. He had a coffee with a guy for about an hour. Didn't know it was him. So he could play an assassin. Because assassins have to blend in and be kind of the everyman. Don't expect them. But did you know that some of the actors consider for the role of Vincent? John Travolta, Edward Norton, and Russell Crowe. Yeah, I knew about Russell Crowe because I think he brought Michael Mann in. Oh, interesting. Because it was supposed to be shot in New York, but they moved it to L.A. when Michael Mann signed on. And then other actors consider for the role of Max, okay, Johnny Depp. Adam Sandler. Can't imagine that. And I could imagine this one, Robert De Niro. That would have been cool. Playing a taxi driver again. Taxi driver. Well, Schmoville also loves Collateral. Sam Cox says, Collateral is one of my all-time favorites. And in my opinion, Tom Cruise gives his best performance in that film. Cruise is very cool and calm in the film, but when he loses it towards the end, it's just pure brilliance. Say, Say what you will about Cruise's personal life, but when he's on screen, giving a performance he gives it is 110%. 10%. The dude commits 
commits to every role and that's why I admire him so much. But one of our favorite profilers, Tyler Myers, says this about Collateral. It's brilliantly directed with incredible shots, gorgeous cinematography of nighttime in LA, the acting by Jamie Foxx, and especially Tom Cruise, who, in my opinion, gives the best performance. We're both top-notch. There's great tension throughout the film, but what really makes this movie shine are the little conversations that Fox, Cruise, Fox and Cruise have in the cab because of the smart and profound writing. And it was written by Stuart Beatty, who is Australian. Well, oi, shout oi, oi. out, shout out. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. All right, now let's go to our big picture oh, segment where we Cruise. get to have a look at the posters. The posters, let's see them. No movie star has ever looked better in sunglasses than Tom Cruise, as this one sheet for risky business clearly shows. Cruise was perfect as Joel Goodson. Get it? Goodson? Who gets mixed up with the high-priced call girl Rebecca De Mornay in Paul Prickman's coming-of-age classic. Time of your life, huh, kid? Stanley Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut, polarized moviegoers back in 1999, but there's no denying the haunting effect of its one-sheet, which shows a mere image of Cruz kissing his then-wife, Nicole Kidman, while she thinks about someone else. And you'd have to look closely to spot Cruz on this otherwise beautiful one-sheet for Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's epic masterpiece from 1999. That's Cruz in the dark, in the upper right-hand corner. In an effort to emphasize the ensemble nature of the cast, Cruz refused to have his face front and center on the promotional materials. I love that. I love that. That That's very, very cool. I just wanted the movie to speak for itself, the ensemble. Let's move on to the player. Oh, this one was really hard to do. We couldn't choose just a couple of Tom Cruise characters because he has created some of the most interesting characters on screen. So instead, we're doing a whole bunch. We're going to split bunch. them up. So why don't you start with... With Les Grossman. Apple bottom oh, jeans. Man, from with the fur. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Who expected Tom Cruise to pull this rabbit out of his hat with the glasses, the bald head, the big hands? Amazingly... Cruz had a lot to do with the look and development of his character that is not surprising. <laughs> and some say that maybe, just maybe, he modeled Les Grossman after Sumner Redstone, the head of Viacom, <laughs> after their falling out after Mission Impossible 3. Just the rumor, folks, just but who saying. knows? Well, we have to talk about Maverick. Maverick! From Top Gun. Top Gun, Danger Zone. Of course, this is the role that made him a star, like we said before, 1986. Uh, I love how reckless his character is, uh, the hero aspect to it. He was super sexy as well in that fighter pilot outfit and the Ray-Bans. He does the Ray-Bans well. He does the Ray-Bans really well in Risky Business too. I yes. like Joel Goodson. I mean, this is the movie where, well, it's my first blood, but it's just, it's unlike other teen comedies that came out back in the day, like like Valley Girl or Fast Times at Richmond High or Porky's. Risky Business was a teen comedy that was mature and it was dark and it had style and it stands out above the pack from all of those other films. It's my favorite of those kind of movies. Well, what would you say if uh, if I said, uh, I want the truth? You can't handle the truth! Yeah, I'll tell you about <laughs> Lieutenant Daniel Caffey from Few Good Men. This was 1992. This was a point when Tom Cruise had done the big blockbusters and he'd done the serious acting roles. This one kind of combined the two. You yeah. have that trademark confidence, a little bit of ego, his character. But the thing that impressed me about this movie was that Tom Cruise went head-to-head with, with Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson and he held his own. Well, that's other interesting thing about A Few Good Men. Originally, the screenplay called for there to be a love scene between Tom Cruise and Demi Moore and Rob Reiner said you know what I don't think we need a love scene yeah so 
how rare is that? It's very rare. It's usually turn, it's like, put more in. Put it in. <laughs> you know, let's see. Let's see. Sex who needs sells. Sexy. Let's do it. Yeah. But who can who can talk about Tom Cruise without without mentioning Ethan Hunt for Mission Impossible movies? We're shooting a fifth right now. Yeah, that's and why we almost got Tom Cruise on the show. At least he knows almost. about profiles now. Yes, he wanted to do profiles, but uh, he couldn't because he's up to his neck doing first and second unit photography on and this movie. And he specifically said he wanted to do profiles. He so. really wanted to do two That's profiles. A That's a win. The fact that Tom Cruise knows about profiles. But he's playing Ethan Hunt again. He's playing Ethan Hunt again. I mean, Mission Impossible 4. Not just a great Mission Impossible movie, a great movie, period. These movies keep getting better. Well, I mentioned him before, but Frank T.J. Mackey is one of my favorite characters <laughs> of Tom Cruise from Magnolia. Gave him his third Oscar nomination. Paul Thomas Anderson ensemble, like we're talking about with the posters, and for him to stand out amongst those brilliant actors, yep. like the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, that shows he did something really special, and he did show the two sides of the character. I spoke about the interview scenes before, but the scenes with his father in Jason bed. Jason Robards, oh yeah. Great stuff. So damaged, isn't he, as a character? Very Ooh. damaged. But let's see what our friends on, yeah. on, on Schmoville. So if you haven't been to the Facebook page, Schmoville, you should definitely go there and join because we love our profilers. That's what we're calling people who love profiles. Profilers, for those of you who've been like writing to us and tweeting us at Alicia Malone and at Movie Mance, for those of you who've been going to our Facebook fan page, which is Profiles with Malone and Mance on the Schmoes No Network, <laughs> please go there and like us right now because <laughs> we just love the support. We love hearing your thoughts. We love hearing these brackets that are our yeah, fellow profilers. So Flowers. On Schmoville, they created all these brackets where they pitted two Tom Cruise characters against each other and then everyone would vote. So they had several rounds. There, were, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Ended up winning. So the best Tom Cruise character, according to Schmoville, is... Jerry, Jerry Maguire. Maguire. Show me the money! money! Great choice. Very popular choice. And that leads us nicely into uh oh no first we're gonna do a quiz show right first we're gonna do our Damn quiz it, show let's, try to get out of that. let's find out how much you know about tom cruise oh, yeah. all right i'm throwing you a bone here alicia maloney you ready okay okay in rain man while charlie and raymond were at the motel they recalled the song that ray sang to charlie as a kid <laughs> what was it oh, I was it blank. a twist and shout was it b i want to hold your hand was it C, I saw her standing there, or was it D, she loves you? It was C. You're right. She was standing there. there. And why did I ask that question, because Alicia Because you Malone? love the Beatles. Because I love the Beatles. He gets very excited about the Beatles. Okay, <laughs> Mr. Metz. Yes, Miss Malone. Which film did not gross over $100 million in the US? Okay. Was it Rain Man, or Top Gun, or A Few Good Men, or Magnolia? I'm going to say Magnolia. Correct. Wow. The Magnolia. only one of those films to not make under uh, over $100 million, but it ends up with a special place in our hearts. Yes, it does, because <laughs> we just love that Frank T.J. Mackey. Yeah, and Andrew Pierce from Schmoville said that Frank T.J. Mackey is almost the anti-Tom Cruise performance, perfectly layered, darkly comic at times, and heartbreaking at others. Well, Nick Ward says Cruise's performance as Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder is as mind-blowing as it is gut-busting. <laughs> We've never seen him like that before. Vulgar, ugly, unlikable, yet magnetic. It's small, but 
but I think it may be the most important role of his career. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. It came at a time when the public image was struggling, and Les Grossman was an absolute crowd pleaser. Totally stole that movie from a cast of comedy heavyweights. I mean, that's true. It came at the perfect time. Yeah, it really did. It showed that he could make fun of himself as well, and I love that. Okay, now we can move on to our Fast Five number three, which is... You complete Oh, Jerry, Jerry McGuire. And this one I'm calling The Change of Heart. It's it's the man who unmakes and then remakes himself. It's kind of success through failure. And I love that if you look at the way he starts and ends, he has the same things. So he has a great career and a nice girl, but he's completely different. He transforms so much during this movie. Well, this is to me the quintessential Tom Cruise role because he has that confidence, that success that charisma, the girls. I mean, he has it all, but it's so great to see him literally fall on his face mm -hmm. and pick himself up again and claw his way back to the top. And you were with him every step of the way. So movie was released on December 13th, 1996, nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture, and if one supporting actor for Cuba Gooding Jr., his acceptance <laughs> speech at the Oscars that year, where he's like, I, I love you, you. I, I love you. It was so, so great. <laughs> it was Tom Cruise's second Oscar nomination for Best Actor. And uh, amazingly, that, that year, the other nominees for Best Picture, okay, all five nominees, only one of them was a studio film. That was Jerry Maguire. The other nominees came from independents like Shine, like Secrets and Lies, and Best Picture winner, The English Patient. Mm. Well, I like this movie because it spawned so many quotes. So we many. We were talking about this before. It's probably the most quoted Gotta Tom be. Cruise film. Gotta which show be. me the money. You had me at hello. You, you complete me. me. And I like how he shows very different sides to his character. So he's got his like very charming side and then the vulnerable side and then the sweet romantic side. I like when he sees the fish again at Dorothy's place and he goes, we meet again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I am drunk and <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking more about Jeremy yes Bryan, we'll talk about that scenes in a second so to Schmoville's reactions on Jerry Maguire Brian Williams says Jerry Maguire is the greatest of Tom Cruise films no other film exploits his acting and Tom Cruise-ness better like <laughs> the supporting cast could not be better with career highlights from Cuba Gooding Jr Renee Zellweger Jay Moore who is fantastic as Bob Sugar oh, yeah. and so Kelly great. Preston there, then there's Cameron Crowe's brilliant screenplay that is amongst the most quotable films ever. It's a great film, contains a lot of comedy, some insight into the sports world, a sweet romance, and an iconic Cruise performance. He went on to work with Cameron Crowe again. Yes, he did, Vanilla Sky. Well, Rachel Cushing says, I have to say, Jerry Maguire is his best role because the character called for him to be both the know-it-all calculating rogue as well as earnest leading man. He'd done the cocky romantic lead before. Hello, Maverick. But for this role, <laughs> Cruise needed to go deeper and he did, creating a charismatic yet flawed man that people could fall in love with. Plus, I don't know anyone who doesn't go at least a little weak in the knees upon hearing one of the most romantic lines of film history, you complete me. Rachel Cushing, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. You write like a film critic. Yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah, she's great. Definitely she's really Claudia great. Claudia does too. We've got some great people in yes, Schmoville. But this, this makes you a great profiler. You're a profiler. You're an awesome profiler, Rachel. Thank on. you. Okay, let's quickly run through our good, bad, and ugly. What is your underrated movie? My underrated? There are a lot of underrated films that I could have picked for Tom Cruise. Like, I loved Oblivion. Mm -hmm. I love Jack Reacher. Color Money, we talked about that on the Spielberg show. Uh, on the uh, Scorsese. Scorsese show, <laughs> yes. We could have talked about it on Spielberg, too. <laughs> but my underrated, truly underrated movie for Tom Cruise is Vanilla Sky. 
I like this movie a lot. It's really far out. Again, he starts off the movie being very much like the quintessential Tom Cruise character. Very confident, very successful, a real ladies' man. But when he has the car accident and loses his looks, his it turns into such a physically and emotionally grueling performance very phantom of the opera like and he had, it was i mean cameron diaz was also fantastic in that movie well i'm going for um cocktail as my underrated underrated Whoa. i know that it's uh not that's the a best guilty movie. pleasure i know but the reason i'm choosing it for my underrated is because it only has five percent on rotten tomatoes uh, come on it's not that bad i mean okay it's full of cliches it's uh very much an 80s film all about excess it's a time capsule for that moment it also won uh worst picture and uh worst the screenplay razzies. at the razzies but it gave us kokomo and it cemented him as a leading star. It showed how he could be a box office draw. Well, when that movie came out and it opened number one, despite, yes, 1988, despite the fact that it was critically panned, Jeffrey Katzenberg called him up and said, congratulations, you are a movie star. And he is. And besides, four months later, Rain Man opened. Yeah. So it's like they just swept the cocktail under the rug anyway. Overrated. But overrated, I got to go with War of the Worlds, a movie I liked, great special effects, second time working with Steven Spielberg came out in the summer of 2005 and initially what I what turned me off about that movie was it wasn't even four years since 9-11 mm. and the images in that film the people covered with ash the papers falling from the sky the the missing signs on the wall mm -hmm. it just it was too soon for that and it was it was jarring to see that exploited in a commercial commercially entertaining film mm. now of course now i watch it i don't i don't think that much about that i'm able to enjoy it a little more but i still had problems a lot of plot holes in that movie yeah i hated the ending you were talking about the missing signs and you pointed out something to do with that yeah the, the, the missing signs so the aliens are invading and this is all happening very fast and all the power is out so where do people find the time to put those signs up and create them, them in the first place yeah doesn't but what about, what is your overrated? Well, I could go Eyes Wide Shut, but I won't. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to choose The Firm. Even though it's a great film, it's entertaining enough, it's just not as good as the book. I loved this book. I could not put it down once I started. And the film just felt like meh to yeah. me. And Tom Cruise isn't the best in it. He's outshone by... Gene Hackman, of course. Gene Hackman is a brilliant actor. But it does feature some excellent Tom Cruise running. Running. Running No in one rubs better than no Tom Cruise. No one runs better than Tom Cruise. I mean, no one runs better than Tom Cruise. I wish I could have run away from my awful <laughs> movie, uh, which I have to say is Rock of Ages. Mm -hmm. Good God, was that a horrible film. But I will give it to Tom Cruise as Stacey Jacks. He was be the best thing by far about that movie. He was committed. Hated that movie, thought he was great in it. Yeah, I thought he made a great rock star. My awful is Night and Day. Yeah, not <laughs> it's great. A terrible action comedy. Him and Cameron Diaz didn't really have much chemistry in this one. Wasn't really funny. The plot was even a bit confusing. Yeah, the plot and too much great. CGI with the stunts and everything. I just didn't connect to it. Well, that brings us to my favorite scene. My right, right stuff. stuff. And I'm going to go back to Jerry Maguire. It's right after the big show me the money scene. And it's right after he's been fired. And he walks out into the area where all the other co-workers are. And he's holding his box. And everyone's looking at him. It's dead silence. And he goes, don't worry. 
don't worry, I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do, but just flip out. <laughs> <laughs> and you love when Tom Cruise flips out. I love when Tom Cruise flips out. But then he's just like, okay, I'm going to start something. I'm going to start a new business. Who's coming with, with me wait. besides Flipper here? And then Dorothy Boyd, Renee Silver gets up and goes, I will go with you. He goes, thank you. And she's like, now? He's like, yes. And then they get in the elevator and he's like, totally like like in shock what have i done what have i done what am i going to do and then the other couple the the deaf couple they get in and he says you complete me you complete me and that's a foreshadow of like the very end of the film i love it and then Great everything scene. goes back to normal everything goes back to in normal the right. office the, the phones start ringing every everything starts again life goes life on life goes on now before we get to our very special guest who's in studio i'm super excited to talk to him about tom cruise let's keep going with our fast five at number two is Ray, Ray, Ray. Mom, you're hot. We are red hot. The Babbitt Brothers kicking ass in Vegas. Yeah, uh, the yes. Babbitt Brothers, the Rain Man. And I'm calling this the unshowy performance because although Charlie, Tom Cruise's character, has the biggest change in the movie because Raymond is unable to change so much, everyone remembers it for Dustin Hoffman. Right. Because it is a absolutely incredible performance that Dustin Hoffman does. But Tom Cruise, again, the transformation of his character is incredible. Well, Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar for Best Actor. Three other Oscars that the movie won. Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. The movie opened December 16th, 1988. Rain Man was the highest grossing movie of 1988, and Top Gun was the highest grossing movie of 1986. <laughs> wow. Tom Cruise was definitely on a roll, as he still is. Again, like you said, he's challenging himself as an actor. And they interesting that they while they were filming Rain Man, Tom Cruise had to go back and do reshoots and pickups for Cocktail. So if you're That's watching- his hair changed. His hair changes throughout the course of the movie. It's short, then it's long, then it's short, <laughs> then it's long. But listen, no question about it. When Rain Man came out in December of 1988, up to that point, I, I was a big Tom Cruise fan. And I thought, oh, that was cool. He challenged himself in 1986 mm -hmm. in The Color of Money with Scorsese and held his own against Paul Newman. But with Rain Man, I really stepped up and I would say to my friends up at school, I, up at Penn State, I'd be like, guys, you know, Tom Cruise is a, he's not just a movie star. Yeah. He's a great actor to see Rain Man. You'll know what I'm talking about. I mean, and, and again, his transformation, it's like when they're sitting at the diner and he pulls out the maple syrup. Yeah. It's just so great. Charlie Babbitt made a joke. Charlie Babbitt made a joke. They yeah. worked so well together. And I was reading an article with Dustin Hoffman where he said that they're both very similar. You know, they both take their work so seriously. They wouldn't go out the night that they were shooting. They would both be on strict diets. They would prepare by rewriting their own dialogue and their own handwriting. And so those two had great chemistry and they would improvise as each other's characters so that they could understand each other more and more. And Barry Levinson said, rightly so, that this is a movie that would never have been made today because $25 million budget, too big for an indie. It's too small scope for a bigger film. He calls it two schmucks in a car. Two schmucks. Well, let's go to one schmo who said that Rain Man, when people talk about Rain Man, they always talk about how amazing Dustin Hoffman was in that film. However, Tom Cruise in the role of Charlie Babbitt, we may not hold that film in such high regard as we do today. The transformation of Cruise's character from self-centered to caring brother is great to behold. And Cruise has no problem carrying his own supporting and, and starring opposite top Dustin Hoffman. He honestly deserved a best supporting Oscar nomination, if not a win for his performance. Yeah, because he did that, just that, he supported 
the lead actor Absolutely. so well. Okay, it well, is time. It is time for Profiles to get Stuckmanized. Chris Stuckman, Chris come, Stuckman, up come on down. any of his reviews on YouTube which you definitely should I know that you are a huge fan of Tom Cruise yourself so I'm so excited to have you here I've been said I look like him Tom Cruise. Yeah. you do look like him by way of Adam Scott yeah, yeah. by way yeah. of Adam Scott if Adam Scott and Tom Cruise had a kid it would be you so right. welcome <laughs> to Profiles first let's kick it off by just uh, telling us a bit about why you love Tom Cruise well, for me, uh, it's a lot of things you guys have said, but a lot of it is also the fact that he's just so committed. And and I love when an actor appears as if they are actually working. Yep. Because you know, so many actors, they're just, they're just, you know, they're getting paid millions of dollars and you're like, what are you really doing? But when yeah. you watch the B-roll footage of Edge of Tomorrow, and I implore your viewers to watch the B-roll footage of Edge of Tomorrow on YouTube, and you see this guy getting yanked around at high speeds on wires and rolling down these, these long slanted hills, like right into frame with breakaway glass and dust flying all over him, you're like, that's why this guy gets paid money. This is, that's you what know? I'm talking about. When you watch a movie like Edge of Tomorrow, Lift I Repeat, it is the level of commitment. You see that in the performance. You see that he goes through so many emotions. It's the, the physicality of it. No one else does that, right. really. No one else comes close. Right, and, and you watch a movie like uh, Ghost Protocol and you see the uh, the Burj Khalifa sequence. Oh, oh yeah. my God. You know, I watched that and oh, I, have a fear of, I have a fear of heights. I saw, it, I saw it at uh, Lincoln Center IMAX, uh, one of the biggest screens in the world. It was amazing. And throughout that entire sequence, I was just like, this man's insane. <laughs> he is. He's insane, when, but it's so amazing. Oh, when that yeah. scene came on, when he climbs out on the ledge and the camera goes over him, I saw it in IMAX and I literally grabbed onto my chair and held on. It's mm -hmm. terrifying. That is, uh, there are a few perfect scenes in movies in my opinion. I think that that is a perfect sequence. It well, really is. What was the first Tom Cruise movie you ever saw and do you remember where you were when you saw it? I had to think about this because uh, I was very young and it's not like, you know, a classic and you're probably going to be like, oh, that movie, but it was, <laughs> it was the first Mission Impossible, mm -hmm. I think, and I saw it on television. I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't see it on, on tape. I, saw it. I think it was on TNT or something. And With I, I, commercials? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so like anticlimactic. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, Mission Impossible was the first, and I'll never forget the one uh, he's on the, the back of the, he's on the helicopter. He, you know, red light, green light. And then he sticks the gum on the thing. He explodes yes. that amazing shot of, of, of him like being propelled towards the train. Yeah. Stuck in great. my mind forever. I became obsessed with action movies. I became obsessed with stunt work mm -hmm. because he's an actor who does that, as you guys brought out. Yep. And, and that's something that has always stuck with me. I love when an actor is so committed to the audience enjoying the experience that they put themselves in harm's way. Yeah. yeah. What, what are some of your favorite Tom Cruise movies? Um, I got a to bone choose. to pick with both of you. But. Oh, oh, here we go. Let's let's get some. Bring it on. <laughs> An entire episode about Tom Cruise <laughs> and not one mention of Minority Report. Okay, yes. no, this is that's why you're here. This is good. See, we knew you were going to mention Minority yeah, Report. Yeah, yeah. Light leash, come on. Yeah. Yes. Not a single mention of Roger Ebert's favorite film of, of 2002. 2002. That's mm -hmm. right. And, uh, you know, rest his soul. But that movie... I had a humongous impact on me. And I, I read your review of it. Oh, your, your, that's the one you read! Your three out of five star review. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I understand that's perfectly fine. Uh, okay, I was going to say... You know what I, I'm doing right now? What, what are you I'm doing? I'm silently judging you. Oh, okay. Wow! <laughs> give it up. Give it up, my friend. Very good. Well, here's what I have to say about Minority Report. 
you know, sometimes you gotta be, you gotta have a minority opinion. <laughs> true. And that is what I have with that movie. It's true. Liked Minority Report when we were putting together this profiles. That was not a movie that I was pushing for mm. to be underrated or to definitely be in our top five. Even though I know you like the movie yeah, a lot. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But there was just something that just I, I didn't like the ending. Mm. I did not like the ending of the movie. I thought it was extremely convoluted and hard to follow, but the cinematography was great. And, if, and instead the of... The technology was great. Mm -hmm. all, all that, that the stuff. production design, it was all great. Eyes. But I felt like the scenes were, they, they were stitched together. But again, I am the minority opinion. And I'm glad <laughs> you brought that up. Yeah. I stand, not corrected, but being called to task. I no, stand no, being judged. It's great because I've, I've stood up and, and said, you know... About movies that everyone else liked, and it's hard to do that. That takes a lot of guts. Um, but well, thank my you. <laughs> Minority Report, though, really, I love that movie, and it's because, to me, uh, I, I I had never seen a film like that. Really, I had seen films where people, you know, they had used psychics or something to solve crimes, but never a film in which. Uh, law enforcement officers were able to be ahead of a crime and I was so intrigued by that opening scene mm. one of the best in my opinion opening scenes in a Spielberg movie where uh, they get a red ball which tells you, you know this is gonna happen really soon this is a, a late premonition and they're running to get to, to figure out where this murder is gonna take place and you're seeing it happen you're seeing you're, they're catching up to the future and, and Cruz is trying to figure out which house it is because they all look the same I was riveted from scene one in that movie, and Colin Farrell even really surprised me a lot in that movie. There's that great scene where he has what they call the orgy of evidence, where he finds all the the pictures everywhere, and he's like, "Something's fishy about this." You know how many orgies of evidence I had as a cop? None. Mm. This isn't this isn't right. And oh, I just I love that movie. I could talk about it for days. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm um, glad. Hey, that's glad good. It's it good that you brought it up because yeah. we needed somebody to report love in this profile. Right. Yeah. What about what about the color of money? Where do you stand on that? The color of money, I think, is a, a magnificently directed movie. Uh, it's it, a buck coming. Yeah, but <laughs> it the story was. I mean, it's it's tough to follow a movie like The Hustler, which is, you know, a classic. One of and my faves. Paul Newman was just magnificent in that movie, and and he was great in Color of Money. Never has Paul Newman ever been bad. You're not going to watch Paul Newman yeah. and be like, well, he wasn't too good. No. <laughs> Um, but no, the story just wasn't as intriguing to me. It, I didn't think the characters were as interesting as they could have been. It was a great-looking movie. Uh, it flow, it flowed really well. It has amazing pace. All of Martin Scorsese's movies are paced so well. They're, they're all fast. It just I wasn't that interested in the characters, I don't think. I love the scene in that film after, after Paul Newman, after Fast Eddie, has been hustled by Forrest Whitaker. And he's so humiliated. And he and then Vincent and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio show up and he, he gives them their money and says, I can't teach you anything anymore. This is it. I just showed you my last lesson. That's it. And he, he tells them and they're like, wait, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. He goes, no, just take the money. And then uh, and then Vince, Tom Cruise, like takes the pool cue, puts it down and he kisses it and he like kicks the stairs and he, yeah. and he walks up this. He's like flips out. You love the flipping I out. I love when he flips out, but <laughs> it's a great scene. And he really, that was the first time I was like, wow, Tom Cruise, I really don't want to see him in risky yeah. business. And he's holding his own yeah, with, with Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. That's huge. Definitely. It's hard to no, do. he was great in the movie, and I do like that movie. I just I think it, it's not a perfect movie, but yeah, uh, amazing actor, amazing, yeah. amazing actor. If, is there anything in our in our two through five that you would have changed? Something other than minority than the minority report that I you would have added in for most underrated? I think I would say The Last Samurai. Okay, um, another great movie. I think The Last Samurai is a beautiful movie. It looks incredible. Edward Zwick directed it. Ken, it gave us Ken Watanabe. Yeah. It was the first time we really saw him and, and went, wow. 
you know, because it's tough to find actors. uh, It's tough for actors uh, who are foreign to get really famous in America now. And he's been in Inception and Batman Begins Mm -hmm. and uh, Godzilla. Yes, Godzilla. Let them fight. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, The Last Samurai to me was a beautiful movie with uh, Hans Zimmer's score also beautiful in the film. Uh, really amazing action sequences, but at, at its core was this beautiful st- friendship between him and uh, between those two men and learning about a different culture. And I actually got really into the Japanese culture after that movie, and I, I wanted to, I did a lot of research on it. And whenever a movie makes me want to actually learn about a culture or a time period, then I think it's a great it's film. It's done its job. All right, well, let's keep you in here while we talk about our Fast Five. Number one. Number one, which is? People say if you don't love America, then get the hell out. Well, I love America. Yeah, Born Born on on the the 4th of of July, July. which I'm calling his serious actor performance, the best in my opinion. Again, the way he transforms and the way that Oliver Stone used that all-American good looks at the start where he's so idealistic about going off to war, fighting communism, and then how he changes is so heartbreaking when he comes back and realizes that the war was for reasons that are unclear. Well, this this movie came out December 20th, 1989. It was directed by Oliver Stone, part two of his Vietnam trilogy that Mm. was platoon. Born on the 4th of July in Heaven and Earth. Nominated for eight Oscars at 1-2 for Best Director, Best Editing. This was Tom Cruise's first Oscar nomination, and he lost. If you're going to lose to anybody, it might as well be Daniel Day-Lewis for (laughs) My Left Foot. But looking back on this film, which I did, which we both did while we were doing research, which is the best kind of research you could do, (laughs) watching movies, I have to say I had not seen Born on the 4th of July many, many years. Definitely not... I had seen it since before I even started reviewing movies 15 years ago. So that perspective, that insight that I brought with me to watching this film again, I was really blown away by his commitment, mm-hmm. by the the arc of his performance, emotional, physical, so many powerful scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. like in the house when he argues with his mother after he comes home drunk penis. from the bar. He's yelling, penis, big, hairy, erect, penis. But then when he just realizes because because of his condition, his situation, he just starts crying, goes, who's gonna love me? It is heartbreaking. Yeah. First time I saw Born on 4th of July, I uh, was just about as surprised as you probably were because about the fact that he was such a great actor in it because I had seen Mission Impossible and all the fun movies. (laughs) And when I saw Born on the 4th of July, I stopped seeing Tom Cruise, which is hard to do. Right, yeah. exactly. Really hard to do because he's such a good looking guy. You, you know his face. It's like kind of like a Brad Pitt type thing where he's always there. And But in that movie, he just became a different person. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I thought was so profound about it was it touched on a really hard to touch on subject, which is the confusion of war and the fact that sometimes things happen that you can't understand and, and the ha- VA hospitals right like, oh scene was so awful yeah and it did it in a way that I didn't think it, that wasn't exploitive exploitative yeah and um, manipulative too right and yeah. it was just because Oliver Stone has such a knowledge of that subject mm-hmm. and he did such a great job uh, creating creating a uh, character that you wanted to actually root for despite the fact that he's kind of despicable sometimes and even when he goes to tell the family uh, the Wilson family that he was the one who shot their son mm-hmm. and when he's the, the father's like you don't have to tell us this son and he goes no I, I think I, I killed him I, I killed him yeah and and I think the the, the, the mother says uh, we understand your pain 
you know, and, and it's just such a powerful scene. Yeah, yeah but, it really is. You know, but interesting that the, Tom Cruise is born on the 3rd of July. Yeah. So he was close. Almost, almost. I, I really like this film and rewatching it again, I realized how great it is as a Vietnam War movie. And it's one that's not often talked about when you talk about Vietnam War movies. Of course, people talk about Platoon and Apocalypse Now, which are amazing movies but this for me really showed the aftermath of it so well and the fact that it's still relevant right now is kind of scary i mean there's still soldiers going off to war for reasons that might not be clear yep, uh, they absolutely. still get hurt they come back to these hospitals that are understaffed and don't have much budget put towards them i mean it really resonates even today well this is not uh, i think this is oliver stone's best film even above platoon platoon really? just came out first but uh Tom Cruise didn't get the Oscar, but Ron Kovic, the character he plays, the book is based, the movie is based on his book, gave Tom Cruise his bronze star. Wow, okay. I did not know that. He, you know, Tom Cruise will win an Oscar one of these days, but to get a bronze star from the character that you brought to life on film like that, what an honor, mm. what an honor. That's amazing, I had no idea about that. And yeah, I actually agree with you, I think it is Oliver Stone's best movie. Yep. There you go. There you go. You guys are great. Well, well that's a recap. Oh, wait. No, first we have to read some of our comments from yes. Schmoville. So Joshua Stein says about Born on the Fourth of July, the movie perfectly depicted the culture of the 1960s during the Vietnam War. It really showed how soldiers and veterans were treated because of their involvement in Vietnam. Cruz completely embodied and became Ron Kovic. He really transformed into this veteran whom we could really sympathize, sympathize for because of how he was treated when returning home. This is his best performance. And Joshua Willingham, another profiler yeah. regular profiler on Schmoville Born on the 4th of July shows the range that Tom Cruise has from high school to Vietnam to post-war veteran you see the best character development that we've ever seen in a Tom Cruise film Oliver Stone pulled out the purest form of Cruise you could see that in his ambition and his heart and in his performance truly the best I've ever seen Tom we agree and I wish he would do another dramatic role like this and so yeah, do we yeah he's got it in him okay let's recap our fast Five, number, number five, five edge, edge of, of tomorrow. tomorrow, number four, collateral, number, number three, Jerry Maguire, number two, Rayman, number one, born on the fourth of July. July. Yes. And before we let Chris Stuckman go, let's give him a little special gift. Well, for you know, coming oh on the show. my goodness, well, you have passed the test. We wanted to make this trip for you very, very special. <laughs> we did Tom. We would have done Tom Cruise eventually. Yeah. We talked about doing him. We're like, okay, when's a good time to do it? But thanks to you, we did Tom Cruise. And just to say thank you, we are inviting you to be part of the Top <laughs> Gun. This is for you, my friend. Thank you very much. Yes, Chris Stuckman. You got Stuckman eyes. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. And thank I just you. want to say, honestly, I'm a big fan of both of you guys. Oh, thank you. Well, we're a fan of yours. It's really an honor to, to talk with you guys. The honor is ours. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And next week, what have we got? The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. David Fincher. David Fincher. He's this is going to be good. my favorite director right now, the contemporary director. And because he's got Gone Girl coming out mm -hmm. on October 3rd. It's perfect. The timing is perfect. So before we really let you go, please, very, very important. We need this to survive. Please go to iTunes, rate and review. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Share our video on YouTube. Subscribe to, to, to our YouTube.com slash YouTube. podcast. And make sure you go to schmoesno.com for all your film news. Again, rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs> really important. We love you, profilers, and we will see you <laughs> next, next week. time. Bye.
From producers Christian Harloff, Mark Ellis, and the entire Schmoes No Network crew, we would like to thank you for listening to Profiles with Alicia Malone and Scott Matt. Special thanks to Kevin Undergaro and Maria Menounos, the author of Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, in stores now. Be sure to subscribe to Profiles on iTunes and rate and review the show. To get other Schmoes No Network episodes, movie news, and join the conversation, be sure to visit schmoesno.com. I'm the Pit Boss, and this has been a presentation of the Schmoes No Network.